0: I think the little kids can go back, can't they? The little tykes are going to go back. Hi, hi, Gracie. Well, we're going to do our communion a little different again today. We're going to go through half the liturgy, and then I'm going to share with you uh, how we prepare ourselves with this, and then we'll finish up the litur- liturgy after I'm done, Okay. So let's start together. Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to God. Mm. Let us give our thanks to the Holy One. Right to give our thanks and grace. Praise God, it is, isn't it? It is right, good and a joyful um, uh, thing always and everywhere to give our thanks to you who brought Abraham and Sarah out of Ur and uh, who promised that uh, their descendants would be as plentiful as the stars in the night sky. The psalmist reminds us that you are a stronghold, a ready help in times of trouble, a caretaker of creation in times of need. We're right there, aren't we? And, uh, and so with your creatures on earth and all the heavenly choir chorus, we praise your name and join in their an ending song Holy, 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 Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the Praise God. And that's our scripture, I'm going to read it in a second. Um. Last month, I tried to share with you the purpose of the Lord's Supper and how it enabled us to experience and remember his presence, his provisions for us, um, his passion for us, and, and the purpose of why he was doing what he's doing. This month, I want us to look at just a little, little time here of how we should prayer, prepare our hearts. Um, for this Lord's Supper. How do we prepare ourselves for this? And um, I, I hope that you find at the end of this moment right here that um, we need to work on how we prepare ourselves for God's Holy Communion. So, the scripture that's up there, I, um, I read this scripture from 17 different versions um, 1 Corinthians 11, and 38. And in those 17 different versions, I liked them all. Uh, I, I really like the King James version. Um, but let me, let me tell you what I did. I ended up on the message. What you're going to see is the message. The well, message is a tremendous Bible, and it's a good Bible, and it's, it's translated right from the original scriptures that we have in hand today, all of the Bible, and um, the Hebrew and the Koinonia Greek. And I fell on it, but let me let me caution you with the, the message. The message is a great Bible, but you have to understand what you're reading before you read it. You have to read a, a different version, like the NIV or uh, the uh, CV, whatever whatever version you want to write, the New King James Version. I use the Holman Christian Bible an awful lot because that's the Bible Jesus had. And you know I'm going to say that every time. <laughs> um, but I I really... I really fell in love with what Eugene Peterson said in in these verses, 23 to 28. This is Paul talking. Let me go over with you again. He's done this before. They've had this problem all along. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. And then he always has to say, this is not me, He says, I received my instructions from the master himself, and I've passed them on to you. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took some bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he did the same thing with a cup. This cup is my blood, is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink it, each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat the, this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact your words and actions for the death of our Master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until he return, until the Master returns. You must never let fluency doing it over, you know, and over and over again, you know, habit break, uh, breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like um, part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. I like this part here. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? And what's our answer? Heck no! (laughs) Examine your motives. Test your hearts. Come to this meal in holy awe. My goodness, friends. This is the word of God for all of his people. We want to focus in on verse 28 this morning on how, how we should prepare for um, the Lord's Supper. Um, um, we know the purpose of it, I think, a little bit better. Now, how do we prepare for it? And, um, and I, I need to share this with you right off the bat. I think the Lord's Supper is for anybody. And I think what happens sometimes, even people who don't know Jesus Christ... In that in that taking of this bread and cup that has that prayer of God asking, of asking God to fill with his holy power, that it goes into lives hearts of people that don't even know Jesus, that have been taking communion for years, don't know him. But at that one point, something happens in their life and they're changed. And I believe God does that many times. I believe when I say to you that there are many. That take the lord 's supper, but don 't quite understand it, they don't understand, we don't understand that even most of us we don't understand the power and the presence and the person that is truly completely available to us in this in this remembrance in this holy lord's supper and and we shouldn't be surprised it's, we shouldn't be surprised that people. Um, don't understand it. And I think, you know, we have to uh, commend the Catholic Church when they say, you know, in their transubstantiation, they, they, they take it a whole lot more serious than we do. And even they have people that take it that don't understand it. It's not, it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, look at that first, first Lord's, Prayer, Lord's Supper when Jesus came in and took over the Passover dinner and changed it completely. Look at all the people there all around him. And we only know of, of some of the disciples and what was going on with them. John, uh, the brothers of Zebedee, James and John, I don't think they were too concerned about the Lord breaking bread and asking, him, asking his father to bless it and, and then consume it with them. I don't think they were concerned about that. You know why? Their mother told them to ask Jesus to make them one and two in heaven. That's what they were concerned about. And who knows about Peter? What, was, what the heck? You know, he's probably thinking, what, what happened to Passover? Aren't we doing Passover? What's he doing now? You know? <laughs> and then, of course, Judas, I don't think he was too concerned about the Lord. I'm going to give this bread, and then one of you, you're going to betray me. Oh, Lord, Jesus, and Pete. Well, that was going to be a surprise. So they came to that dinner and and was completely um, not there I think and a lot of times we come to dinner not prepared for it so I want to share with you three things this morning and they just touched the the surface of, of how we should be preparing ourselves but I hope they would encourage you to understand what this is all about I think uh, if we really want to, to take the Lord's Supper we need to to focus in on these three things, okay? And then build from them. Build from them in our own personal walk. So I'm going to do my best to tell you how to prepare for it. You ready for number, number one? Just three points. My seminary pastor would be happy, professor. Three points. No stories, though, today. Oh, maybe one or two. <laughs> Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, you've got to go back one chapter, chapter 10, chapter 10, Verse twenty and twenty, he says uh, twenty and twenty-one verses. He says, "I say this: that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to, to the devils, and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of the of devils." The first thing we need to understand is that this Holy Communion is is for those who are redeemed. So we need to prepare our hearts. My friend Gessner Paul uh, was a pastor in Haiti and still pastor in Haiti. But at the time I knew him back in the the early 80s, he uh, was a pastor of 21 churches. Can you imagine? 21 churches. So every 21 weeks he got to a different church. And in that 21, every, every church he went to, what he did was he had communion, he'd have weddings, and he'd have funerals. They waited for him 21 weeks. If they died the week after he left, they waited 21 weeks to do all this. And he said, I said to him, I said, how did it go? He said, well, the hard thing was that when he went into the church after being gone for 21 weeks, he would have to go in and take all the voodoo stuff out off the altar because for 21 weeks they had a voodoo priest coming in to tell him about everything that was going on. He said uh, we had to make a distinction between the two, and and that day they'd have communion where they had been killing roosters and chickens and whatever else. We can't do that, friends. We need to prepare our hearts. It is this communion I need to share with you is for the redeemed. We need to make a clean break, in other words. We need to make a clean break uh, Paul is saying here in chapter 10. We need to make a clean break and give our all to Christ. And I dare say that is a difficult thing for us to do today. It's a difficult thing for anybody to do. But we need to strive to do that. We need to hold on to it and grab a hold of it and do it better. Not only are we... Um, preparing our hearts, being redeemed, giving God everything. But we also um, need to be reconciled. I think that's the second thing. It's in 1 Corinthians verse 1-18, through 18, one, one verse, chapter 1, verse 18. For first of all, when you come together, I hear that there's divisions among you. And he says, I can believe it because I hear it all the time. Uh, the problem with us as a church today—we are filled with divisions. There's bitterness, haughtiness. There's people with grudge. I, I, oh gosh, it just—it's a story that came to me. Uh, I, I remember being in a church one time, and it was a large church, and we had three hundred and some people coming all the time. And and the church was was set up in two pews like this, and then put a section over there and a section over there, and there was um. There was walls, knee-high walls like this, that separated everybody. So if you were from the north, this was the north over here, and we had fellowship time, you know, when everybody goes around and greets each other. These people at the north never went down here to the south. One person told me one time, oh, I, I don't even know anybody down there, and the people I do know down there, I don't want to greet them. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. huh? And they took communion every month. Lord, have mercy. We cannot come to the, the if we're going to prepare our hearts, it, we can't come hurt, having hurt feelings about other people. I'm sorry. We're saying to God, we appreciate your gift, but I'm not giving up my anger. We think our problem is we think we have to agree with everything I, the people do and what they say, and we don't have to agree with them, but we still have to love them and care for them. Listen, folks, I've only been here a short time. Six months, right? That's all they asked me to come. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, you've done a lot of things I don't agree with. But I don't stink and care because it's not about me. Amen? It's about us. It's about us and what we do. And, and I'm sure I am almost positive that I've done things that you don't like and stink and deal with it. You know? And when you talk to people, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to go to that church, but you know that pastor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm going to say this gently. I'm going to say this as gently as I can, what Paul is saying here is when we have this non-forgiveness in our heart, when we have a heart that is not repentant, that is not reconciled, that is not reaching out to, to say, I'm sorry, I got mad at you. When we do that, what we're saying is we don't really understand what Christ did at the cross of Calvary. We don't understand how much he loved us. How much did he love us? enough? Listen, listen. those nails did not keep him on the cross. Amen? His love for me, his love for you, his love for the whole world, kept him there. Had him beat up like that. And we sit around in our self-righteous pityness and say, well, it's okay, but I'm not forgiven. You know what Aunt Ethel did? No Ann Ethel's, is there? <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what we come up with. You know, you can't, you can't believe what they did to me. And I'm telling you today, if we're going to prepare our hearts to really take this Holy Communion, this Holy Lord's Supper, we need to have hearts that are redeemed and hearts that are reconciled. We need to ask each other for forgiveness, my friends. This Supper, we need to prepare by being redeemed and being a reconciliation person. And also, in the third one, we have to be repentant. We have to be repentant. And I want to say this, this one is for those who are humble enough in their hearts and in their minds and their spirit to say, to say, I can't do it. Lord, I need you. And that's, that, that humbleness stops us um, from Understanding how much God loves us. We think about God always being this God of judge, judgment and, and this God who says we, we're, we're sinners. And, and we are. He does judge us because uh, um, of our sin. But he doesn't judge us of that sin because he hates us. You need to understand that. He judges us, I think, because of um, his love for us. It's just like when, I, when I'm around Claire, you know, I love her so much and, and uh, well, I never say no, but um, <laughs> other people, other people tell her no, you know, I would never say no to Emma, Nora, you know, Frankie, I would never say no to anybody, you know, What well, I did say no to a little girl one time when she walked up to me and she had cowboy boots on and, and she walked up to me and kicked me right in the shin, and I reached down and grabbed her and pulled her up to my face and I said, you ever do that again and your, your butt's going to be sore. So she never did it again. That's the only time I can remember saying no. But, I, but we need to say, uh, say that in our lives. No, I'm not doing it right. No, I'm not doing it the way it should be. God judges us the way he, he because he loves us like we love our children, like we love our, um, you know, even last week when I told you we're leaving, we're retiring for the third time in June and being done, we'll, we'll go and live with our, our grandchildren. We'll always be family. I hope you know that. You know, I, we're all family with people in Navarre and, and Cambridge and, and uh, Medina. You know, we're family. Praise God, God has given us a great family, and you're part of it, whether you want to be or not. You know, <laughs> when, we, when we surrender our lives to the presence of Jesus... And make him the controller of our lives. The way it should be. When we do that, then we come to this table prepared. Because we know why he's given it to us. We come prepared. And then I think what that does is helps us um, participate in this Lord's Supper. This holy Lord's Supper. Um, Because it becomes that time of holy covenant. That holy covenant... Um, what that literally means, uh, we're saying, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement with God. I'm in agreement with everybody here. Because we always pray, well, let us become one in body, mind and spirit. So that we can be one for the world, you know. When, when, when we take this cup and we take this bread, we're literally saying to God, I'm in covenant with you. I'm in covenant with you, Jesus. I'm in covenant with everybody that's in this line with me. Everybody's taking this cup today. I'm in covenant with my brothers and sisters. We have one purpose in life. We have one purpose in life. To help other people find that kind of covenant. And not only it becomes a time of holy covenant, but it becomes that time when it's really a holy communion. Oh, my, my friends, I need to tell you simply because of one little part of the prayer, the epiclesis. When we pray that, literally, whether you're at home, in the parking lot in the FLC, or in here, literally, when we pray that prayer, God, bless these elements. Let them be filled with your Holy Spirit, that they might change and become your body and, and blood broken for them. You eat, we all eat, the same bread. We all drink the same cup doesn't matter where we're at. It becomes a a communion of love, a communion of respect, and a communion of commitment to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's why we need to prepare. We need to prepare. I think if you haven't got what what God has put on my heart to say to you today, I could have said this and just been done with it. But we're talking about an issue of our heart. You see, most of the time we come up here with our head. We understand everything that God did and everything that God does and why he tells us to remember this. But we never move it down to our heart. That's what makes it holy. When we say, okay, I I I am redeemed. I'm repentant. I'm reconciled. And I know the reason that I'm coming up here. I used to go to a Catholic church and sit at the back of it. And I would walk in the front door uh, during the week, and it was a place where I could get away from everything. And i walk in that Catholic church, and I don't know how the, the pastor knew, but somebody, he must have had a buzzer on the bell or something on the door, you know, when it opened up, somebody coming in. Well, I, I figured out he was coming in to see if somebody needed to talk to him. He'd come in and see me. I'd always sit back in this one back corner, and he'd wave at me, and then he'd go about his business. He was a great pastor, Pastor Gibbets, uh, his great father. Anyways, one day I went in there, and as I was in there in my time, a nun came in with a young girl who was preparing to get her first communion, um, preparing uh, herself for and to be that, that good Catholic girl. And she was saying the Hail Mary. And I want to tell you, I was, I'm, I'm sitting twice as far away from her, but up in the front of the sanctuary, you know, in the Catholic church, you could hear it like I was sitting right beside of them. And uh, that nun was telling her about the Hail Mary and all the principles of it and everything. And she would ask her to say it back to her. And she would say it back to her. And I'm going to tell you, she did it really good. She never missed a beat. She paused when she was supposed to pause. She did everything that she was supposed to do. And I'll never forget this nun. I just praise God for her. But she looked at that little girl. and, And, well, she wasn't little. She's 13, 14. And she looked at her and she said, Now, honey, you have that really good in your head. Now what we want to do is move it to your heart. Amen. We have this communion in our head. But we need to move it to our hearts, friends. We need to move it to our hearts and come, come to this time. Come to this time. And surrender our lives to Jesus. And I want to tell you, when, when we do that, this communion, everything in life changes. When we give him our all. Amen. Amen. That's how we should come to this Holy Communion. Uh, Gus, let's continue on, okay? Let's go on with the, the liturgy. Join me with me in this liturgy. you got a couple parts to read, okay? Holy are you, and holy is your child Jesus, who continued to heal all who came to him and yearned to protect the people of Jerusalem, even when Herod threatened him, threatened to kill him. But on that night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, broke it, saying, Take and eat all of you. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the healing of the world. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim a mystery of faith. Christ died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Now this next part is what's called the epiclesis, invoking the power. Whether you're talking about baptismal water, Lord bless this water with your presence, that when it baptizes this child, this person, it will become more than... Then spring water from Montana, you know, it'll be a a blessing. Here we do this epiclesis and ask God to bless these gifts of bread and juice that have been made by us. You see it? Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of grain and grape, fruit of the earth and work of our human hands. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be the body of Christ to a world that groans, awaiting your peace. We pray this, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of life and love, you are the one God to whom we offer our praise and thanks. Amen. I messed up. I had one more thing I wanted to say to you. While we're doing this here, we prepare our hearts. We go and ask God for forgiveness and help us to forgive others. We go and ask God. The table's set. Come when you will. oh okay come help me Good thing I didn't go to the bathroom. (laughs) You'd have heard things you don't want to hear. (laughs) Praise God.